0: Will you, paint, will you paint a room teal so we can have that color? Yeah.
1: Okay. I <laughs> probably will. I've got a little paint left and those pictures might follow me. I might try and do something new. It's often quite dark that room. Um, so for when I'm doing one-to-one therapy, sometimes online it's a bit sort of like I'm just like a head. <laughs> <And it's> all, <laughs> even in the of the day, which isn't always the most inviting.
2: <laughs> well, it's very, it's very dignified and formal looking. So yeah. and the teal is nice. Oh, thanks, guys. Moving is hard, though.
1: Yeah, great.
2: Yeah. Well, today is the 27th Solid Ground live stream, and we are joined by Val Thomas. We're so glad to have you here to have this chat with us today, and um, happy to see everyone. And David, would you like to start us off with the Solid Ground intro so people can know what we're up to?
1: Yep. thanks Leslie. So Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, CSJ, aka woke, and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community, please visit solidgroundsupport.com. And please note, Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice, and nothing we do should be construed as such.
2: Excellent. Well, so Val is the founder of Critical Therapy Antidote, and we had a conversation, the two of us, for this channel a couple of months ago, and it's a it was a great conversation. It was uh, it's it's really informative and uh, just a good discussion about how critical social justice theory has infiltrated the therapy fields and the implications of that and where do we go from here and so if you want to check that out please go just do a search in the videos or perhaps i can even put a link under this after i after we stop the live stream i'll, I'll link to that video and i'll also link to cta critical therapy antidote and to the cta podcast which is fantastic and um Val uh, edited and co-authored a book recently about critical social justice theory in therapy and what that means. And it's called Cynical Therapies. There she's got the book up. Highly recommend this book to anybody who's curious about this topic, wants to learn more. And it, it's it's the reason this channel was started. It's it's the whole reason we we began having these discussions on this channel was my concern about what I was experiencing in this area. And so... I'm just really glad we can open this up and have a discussion today about this so thanks for being with us Val. Well
3: it's great to be here um, Leslie, and to be with with all of you and uh, I look forward to the discussion and I'll be very interested to hear people's thoughts and comments about the work and, and basically our, our thoughts about what's happening with the field and how we move on. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's something that um, it it touches all of us, both professionally and personally, and in so many ways. And we have, there's so many reasons why it's, it's wonderful to have the, the therapy professions available to people. But if therapists are ideologically compromised, and they're actually not there to help you on an individual level, but rather to push through social engineering projects, it changes the entire it, it, change, it changes the playing field for everyone and it changes the offering. And, um, it's, it's a real reason for concern. So, um, Jennifer, did you, you had, uh, a real keen interest to speak with Val about this and what, what are some burning questions that you have or topics that you have that you want to oh talk about? Oh my gosh. About?
4: First off, I just wanted to say, I loved this book. I loved it. I felt like, um, uh, it was just this feeling of like when you go to the chiropractor and they realign your spine, it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, this is exactly what I've been experiencing. Um, this is what I've heard other people talk about, um, that you know their programs have been completely infiltrated, that they, they went to school to train to become a therapist with the idea of understanding the individual, understanding the individual and the family and their relationships, and instead... They felt like they were basically being trained to become activists. And then I've heard from people, and these stories are actually really horrible, but I've heard from people who have actually gone to therapy and then basically been kind of traumatized by the therapist because the therapist Mm -hmm. has tried to indoctrinate them. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that this book exists and I'm recommending it to everybody I can think of. Um, But so yeah, thank you Val for coming on today. And I'd like to know for you personally, personally about what made you interested in doing this book like what what really grabbed you and made you think we, we need a book about this?
3: Well, it happened um, uh, it was happening towards the end of uh, of uh, two thousand and twenty when we set up uh, the CTA platform and it, it, there was this Complete and utter lack of any uh, published critique. And I, I you know I had expected I mean, I'd started to write on on James Lindsay's um, site new New discourses, and i I expected to see more and more writings, but uh, there was nothing. nothing was appearing. And I was also very aware of the way in which um, uh, people you know people were being threatened by by cancellation. And you know, I've, I've probably out of all of the all of the professions, for a therapist to be um, castigated as a reactionary bigot—that's uh, that's like a professional death. So it, it seemed to me that we had to make a start somewhere, and the way to do it was to um, uh, collect a, a group of people together who felt um, okay. About sticking their head above the parapet and and focusing on a particular aspect of the the field, their area of practice or their area of experience. And we were incredibly lucky because um, we've got together a group that had a really wide range. So we've got all different uh, professional, profession, psych professions in there. Um, psychologists, clinical psychologists, social psychologists, um, psychotherapists, counsellors, family therapists. This wasn't by design; it was just the people who showed up. We've also got it's international, so we've got uh, glimpses in, into um, the UK and glimpses into um, North North America, which is brilliant. And we also have kind of different different stages of uh, professional development also, so we've got uh, people who are um, sort of senior theoreticians and we've got people uh, at the earlier stages of their therapy journey and we've also got people who are um, doing uh, PhDs into particular aspects of, uh, of, uh, of therapy, therapy in society. So I can't remember, yes, I've got a bit off from your question, um, Jen, but it's, once once it had started, then it took off. And then, it, and everybody was in agreement, you know, we've got to get this out as, as soon as we can. And we just pulled in all the help that we needed in order to do this. So we didn't actually know what we were doing. This is an organic, everything to do with CTA has been an organic uh, developmental process, but that's also what I think is very important about it.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: it's got a a, a life of its own and it's coming out in a in a particular form
4: yeah i think that when an organization grows organically it stays very authentic because you're responding to what you see and the needs that you see you're
3: responding directly towards those and this is what therapy is supposed to be Mm. (laughs) yes i mean it's in a way what 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 I hoped to do, although I kind of realize this more in, in retrospect rather than at the beginning, I hoped to um, sort of implement the principles of therapy into the organization. It's almost like to to, like to, to, like to hold those principles and to allow those principles to manifest themselves in terms of, in terms of the work. Because it's almost as if the field is uh, become unanchored from those foundational principles. So actually, so I'm going to go back round to the other reason, the, the, the other reason for doing this, Jen, was I thought it was crucially important the general public needed to understand um, that therapy was going awry. And I really, really wanted to alert them. That's why we spent so much time on making very complex material digestible and accessible.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Yeah. I and I'll before... tell you the amount of time. I mean, the amount of back and forth. And also, we had Helen Pluckrose yeah. come in, and she was absolutely fantastic on this. So, um yeah, I'd be forever going, sending chapter drafts back to um uh, the authors saying it, it's not digestible enough, it's not um, accessible enough. They, they kind of got pretty fed up with me after a while, but um, <laughs> Helen was very much on the case with that because because she and uh, James Lindsay produce such an extraordinary classic, yeah, cynical yeah. Um, theories, which yeah. digested, provided a digest of super complex uh, kind of intellectual theory in a way that... Um, any reasonably educated person could really grasp and work with. And that was our ideal.
2: Yeah, someone yeah. asks in the chat, this is going over to the chat, Gin Bottle says, "'I thought Cynical Therapies' was by James Lindsay." No, it's, that's Cynical Theories. And so did you choose the name of this yeah. book based on a play on that? We riffed, yeah, we riffed on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's how I found CTA in you as well, Val, was through the new discourses. Mm -hmm. The the essay that you did there, I, I, when I was in school, I was finding it so it was hard to understand the dissonance, the discrepancy between what was being taught in terms of classical notions of therapy alongside Mm -hmm. social justice learning and I, I don't under I still don't understand how professionals in this field can hold both. I don't understand how they're able to, to think in in both, because they're so inherently contradictory. I don't
3: think I don't think I don't think they're able. It's, it's to, I
2: mean, that's the thing
3: that I've really found. I mean, uh, uh, I agree. That that's the thing that I've found very difficult to understand too. It's about how these these are obviously two radically different worldviews, and we've been sold that critical social justice is an evolution of an earlier. Impoverished form of social justice, yeah, or a sort of old form of social justice. And there's this new expanded um, way of um, thinking about social justice. And if you're not on board with that, then you are, um, you know, you're like a dinosaur, you're a reactionary, mm-hmm. or you're 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 bigoted in some kind of way. But it's not an evolution, it's a completely different worldview. I, I mean, I, I say that in every, nearly every essay I write. It's, it, and that's that's the thing that I found very, the most difficult thing for me is why um, senior um, clinicians and theoreticians in our field have not made that explicit and clear.
2: Mm.
3: Nobody will go there.
2: Yeah, it was really yeah. stunning to me to be to go from a family systems class, a family systems therapy class, where you're talking about these intricate ways that your your family history and the the way that your parents grew up affects little things about your role in your family of origin, and then how you have the interplay between you and your spouse and your children and all these little delicate things, and then go next class into a multicultural perspectives class where you're told white women do this. Yeah. And it just it's just that the, the the simplification. Oh, black people are like this, yeah. and you know, just just stunning contrast in the the depth and the quality of the the thinking.
3: And that's my sense, really, of the whole field that it's becoming. Um, it's regressed. It's uh, becoming narrower and narrower, and its view it's sort of reducing the extraordinary complexity of um, human psychology down to this unbelievably kind of rigid uh, diagnostic. It's, I, I, just, I just find that, I just find that astonishing that, that, that we've accepted that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I was just wondering Val, did, did your mind ever go to wondering why, why the field of therapy and psychology was getting, was yeah was was becoming kind of hijacked in such a way was there something to do with the I don't know the, the the type of people that get attracted to those roles was that was was your mind ever going there at all to to what what is it about a psychological makeup of someone who goes into that profession and therefore their ability to sort of just easily take on contradictory ideas without necessarily having the self-awareness to realize they're doing it?
3: I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting um, take, David. I mean, I have had some thoughts. I mean, I'd like to hear you speak a bit more about about that. It's clear that you've thought about that. Um, my th- thoughts about how, uh, why um, uh, therapy professionals have taken this on board um, is because they were sold, um, they've been sold, they've taken on a, a narrative. So that all those rhetorical strategies for critical social justice have landed uh, in a place where they've just been absorbed. So social justice now means this, yeah they're taken on board all of that. and and maybe this overlaps a little bit with your with with um, what you were uh, intimating in the question. There's something about um, people being it attracts very empathic um people into the uh, into the profession and this attaches itself to that to that empathy is that where you're going with this
1: yeah i guess and i I think also uh, yeah it's got so many contradictions to it hasn't it the the the, the ideology And, and we've been learning about systemic lenses this year which i found really helpful um and one of the principles is is a, is a double bind, this idea of sort of putting people in into positions in which they're getting contradictory messages. And that is actually the thing that creates psychological distress and probably makes you very malleable as a result. Um, so uh, you know, the contradiction of 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 diversity being something that we all desperately want more of and yet and pra- and apparently advocate for, and yet at the same time, a diversity of opinion isn't isn't actually advocated for at all and in fact the complete opposite message is being given to people so um, I just I, I, yeah I guess I'm going back into the kind of thinking about the messaging and the systems rather than the individuals but I'm constantly <laughs> wondering how much of it is the individual how much of it is the is the theory um, but I think yeah the empathy, empathy is certainly something that can get hijacked as you say.
3: There's also I mean there's other factors at play in this and one factor is that the The demographics of the profession have changed so it wasn't so long ago that this was um, uh, this this was a profession that you went into when you were changing career so it's like mature career changes would go into the into the profession so they have far more kind of life experience that doesn't mean to say they're better therapists yeah but the demographics have changed and I certainly noticed it over the years that I was teaching and also practicing that the people going into the training were getting younger and younger and younger so and we used to have a big thing in in a, in the in the training program um you know where I taught we had this big thing it's like and we had big arguments with the university about how, you know we don't want to let people in under 25
5: mm-hmm. uh, And the
3: university came back saying no 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 we, we don't we won't you can't have that exception you ha- you have to uh, allow people twenty one and above coming in, so there's 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 that issue. Mm. So people coming in with little life experience um, are much more uh, easily um, persuaded, mm. and they also don't have that. They, there's also this stuff about. I mean, one thing hopefully we learn as we get older. I mean, not everybody does, is that life is 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 ridiculously complicated. And all our certainties from youth, our um, reality comes in and whisks them away. Yeah,
2: well, that's so- interesting. What you said there about complicated and and how how things change as you mature, um, it does seem like the kind of empathy, the kind of the kind of it. Like I hear people say, this is weaponized empathy. This is this is sort of a hijacked compassion. But it's but it's a simple sort of compassion and it's, it's a myopic and narrow narrowly focused empathy and compassion that is being facilitated or 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 created with this social justice thing like in my a human sexuality class that I was taught in school in, in my graduate program for instance we talked about how hard it is for a um, a trans person to be rejected by their partner when they come out after years of marriage as as trans. And so the the example is a man who says, I'm I, I'm going to transition to being a woman. His wife rejects him and he's left sad because his wife and children have rejected him. And this was poured on very heavily to, to create a sense of empathy for that person. And to, but the thing is, there's empathy for all people involved in that situation, or there should be, and there could be, and it could look at the way that it impacts every single person in that family system. Yes. There's, and we were taught to vilify the family for rejecting this poor vulnerable person that these horrible people are not more inclusive and can't Mm -hmm. understand and that's those are the people that need to be reeducated and so Mm -hmm. that seems like a very narrow focus for that that empathy so even the empathetic person is being taught to Mm -hmm. close down their their sense of of connection to lots of the human Mm -hmm. experience by only valuing the minority position in all cases.
3: Uh, it's a really, it's a really interesting point, Leslie. I think it's, it's like uh, em- um, uh, empathy isn't being tempered um, by um, uh, a wider, uh, uh, wider considerations, and and also by realism.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, like empathy is 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 the main thing that you have, and then it's focused in a very particular way it's harnessed, isn't it Mm -hmm. in a very particular way to specific groups but there's nothing that you don't there's nothing else that comes in to temper that
4: basically describing who you can feel empathy for you know so then if you really followed that model and you were looking at everything through the lens of privilege maybe you could say like a white person who had their home broken into by a black person and that was your traumatized client. You Instead of working with that person to overcome their trauma, you point out to the white client that, you know, they should sort of count their blessings and check their privilege because mm-hmm. after all, they've never faced racial discrimination. And that mm-hmm. is what has contributed to this person robbing them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, yeah, it is. It's sort of prescribing and saying who you're allowed to be empathetic towards mm. and who you're not. And it really is the politicization of therapy. And it sort of makes me think of back in the Soviet Union, they deemed it a mental illness to disagree with the government.
5: That's right. Yeah.
4: It very much reminds me of that way of thinking. It's like authoritarianism injected into therapy.
3: Well, it's not therapy. Right. It's just, it just isn't therapy. It's 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 I mean we have got I mean we've really got to uh find some new terms.
2: That's my sense. Because yes, whatever,
3: what would we call it?
2: Social engineering. I uh, mean psychological in a way engineering.
3: But I the problem I think that's because I've been thinking about this, that the, the, I I think that they they they've captured the term therapy. And I think that I, I mean I think the field is fracturing now. So it's sort of inevitable and that the um people who have um a commitment to healing are you know are going are to come either go out to the margins or move on and create parallel um structures which is really what cta is involved but we're not going to be i don't think we're going to be able to take the term therapy out of the field i think we're going to have to think of a new term for the healing work or the healing ethos in the work that we do we're going to have to find something else and then therapy will be left behind as this empty term which actually means moral Mm. Moral re-education it's a a long-term kind of process i think but i haven't yet found a term i've been hunting around and i haven't found a, a term for our new um psych professions
5: yeah oh,
4: how so i'm open to any suggestions
3: yeah i'm so open to any suggestions
4: they've stolen the term of therapy that's right they're using it essentially as cover for moral re-education
3: that's right that's mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. just yeah. like they've done that to education haven't they right. yes in yes, the states particularly much. yes mm-hmm. oh yes mm-hmm. so it's yeah. not education
4: no it's not it's mm-hmm. completely indoctrination. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It is hard to come up with a term. I, I really racked my brain on this when I decided, oh, okay, I'm not going to do this licensed route. I'm not finishing this degree, but I want to still take my, my skills and, and apply them. What do I do? What do I call myself? And I've not settled on anything that I like. I don't know what you call this work. It's, I don't like coaching. I don't like that word. It's just what we have right now.
0: You probably wouldn't want to use this, but I like the notion of it of of like midwifery. I mean, because in some sense, yeah, there's this, yeah, this you know, moving someone through something that there something going to be different at the other end um, when mm. they come out, like in stepping into something new. But that obviously comes with a lot of other mm. thoughts and feelings.
3: <laughs> but you, um, but I like that idea, Deborah. That sort of notion of this um, accompanying. Um, somebody through um, a crisis or a complex process of growth and development in a way that facilitates that process. Um, I mean, in the olden days we would be priests and priestesses. But obviously we can't
0: it is shamanic too right so i don't think there are shamanic, yeah, shamanic terms but i'm getting too woo woo right um something that yeah. comes yeah. we can't use, that so,
3: we can use yeah. so, we can. so there's something out there in the ether mm-hmm. and wants yeah. to come
2: through yeah yeah this touches on a question that david raised right before we started about how what we do with the profession from here uh, david how did you phrase that
1: yeah i can't remember now. i was thinking um of of coming along uh, this evening and and asking the question Val of just uh, what what do we do we kind of give up on the current institutions and educational um, societies or and and create our own do we fight within and try and influence and I guess the fact that you're already um, considering that we may need to change the fundamental language that we use that as you say parallel institutions like the CTA Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I just want to say a massive thank you, Val, because I think when I was coming into my course um, and I was, I felt very isolated and and um, like I was going a bit mad and like I didn't understand exactly what was happening around me. Um, CTA was in- incredibly useful for me uh, as well as counterweight, and it's really started me off on, on the journey of being being here at Solid Ground. So thanks for that. But yeah, um, yeah that's, so that's, yeah.
3: that's great to hear. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I guess my question, yeah, was just, just was just whether or not. Do we give up on current institutions? I mean, I, I'm listening to Peter Bogosian at the moment talking about how he's given up. And I know, yeah. I, think, I think I've heard Leslie say plenty of times that we need to give up and create our own now. Um, but I also know that you mentioned before we started that there might be ways in which we could think about protecting ourselves and going in with a certain level of resilience, if you'd like to t- talk more about that as well.
3: Well, I, kind of, I think it's, um, it's, very, it, it's very easy to be um, prescriptive. And you know, this is a, the, there is one way forward, um, but th- the ways forward that we can see um, express our personalities. So, I, um, I, 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 I'm. My personality would make me tend towards the cleavitic stream, would make me tend towards um, a separate. You know, following that separate path. Um, casting the institutions aside because I think that they're they they are completely corrupt and setting up parallel um, uh, institutions that would be my way but I have to accept that there are other people different kind of personalities and ways of working in the world who have talked um, about becoming more in, di- getting in dialogue with the institutions and starting to work with them in order to um, yeah. see whether they could, there's a, there, there is a place where they, um, the institutions can um, shift or change. So um, listen, we don't know, I mean, we're in such a massive um, epochal shift um we're right bang in the middle of it we've got no idea how this is going to play out have we all we know is we just tune in and we can get and kind of get a feeling for it so that's as best i mean that's a pretty uh i don't know it is slightly muddled response but that's that's as best as i can do but i'm also aware that a lot of people are trapped inside institutions and we and um, we ha- it's important for us to develop psychotherapeutic and counselling tools out of the kind of rich heritage that we have of knowledge in the professions to see whether we can adapt them for people who are um, more trapped inside these systems.
2: You know, something that occurs to me is perhaps we should spend a little time defining what it is that is threatened by the way things are going right now. What, how are these new influences and ways of teaching therapists and just how is this ideology actually harmful to individuals and to the culture? It seems like we, I think everybody has a sense of that, that they come in with, but have we talked about precisely what those concerns are that we have?
0: I can give one example, just because I was listening to Stephanie Nguyen this morning and she was, I didn't listen to all of it. She was just interviewing a, a more conservative therapist and you know, there's a swath of clients who have particular political views that at this point in time may go to a therapist who's um, holding these critical social justice views who may be trying to reprogram them and telling them that they're thinking wrong, um, can't even hold space for them, um, mm. and so that's that's a huge that that could make a whole bunch of people who could really benefit from therapy really have no feel like they have nowhere to go, um, mm. and so that's to have, to have a bunch of people that might need some mental health support that can't get it. To me, that seems like a huge mm. cost.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It attacks the individual. So my 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 sense of it is it's it has a sort of a global. Um, impact, and the impact is to weaken the sense of self. So it um, it weakens people's agency. So this notion that whatever's um, whatever difficult issues you have, um, you can place at the the door of um, systems, oppressive systems. And you 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 can't use your own agency to make any difference. So it weakens the sense of agency. It weakens um, the capacity for set deeper self insight because you're given an interpretation of the world. And you' you're, um, you're then uh, so there's no investigation of the the self. It weakens relationships. Because you can't in in critical social justice, there's no sense of um, that you can relate across identity groups. You're you're an avatar and you're you're of, of a particular group identity, and so it's the only kind of relationships that can be supported in that are transactional relationships. So there's no capacity to use relationship as um, a means of really. Um, connecting with the with the other um, in any kind of way, it increases um, it it um, reduces people's capacity to regulate dysregulated emotions. It's really really important. So if you come along with dysregulated emotions, particularly emotions that are um, promoted um by this ideology, such as anger and resentment. I mean resentment isn't actually it's it's an emotional state, but it isn't a pure emotion. Um these these are just further um uh, further consolidated so you 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 don't go through the very challenging processes in therapy whereby you uh, become more able to identify what's um, creating um, difficult emotions for you, and find ways and methods um, in in order to regulate them. So those are just some of them. So it's a, it's a, it's a it's
2: a whole package that weakens the individual. So that's interesting oh, yeah. because that's the very the things that are the reverse of that are things like self reliance and
5: yeah. emotional
2: regulation and exactly um, and um, you, these things that are now uh, that it's written into the ideology that these things are to be looked down upon that they're equated with with whiteness and white supremacy and and. Yeah. And so they write it right into that. So if you're saying that these things are going to be lost if we do things this way, then the social justice response is to say, so what? That's good. We don't want those things. We don't need that. Don't tone police us.
3: Right. We do, yeah, we don't, want, we don't want to increase um, stoicism.
4: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It seems like it, it actually wants to increase resentment and to very much... Um, sort of steer people into having an external locus of control. Absolutely. All of your problems are because you are in this, you know, racist, patriarchal, deeply flawed society, and the answer isn't internal. It's not to look within and figure out how to manage your emotions and mm-hmm. figure out how to navigate the world. Your your happiness is dependent upon the world changing, mm-hmm. and your the answer to your problems is to go forward and become this uh, sort of critical social justice activist. And so therapy is training people into that activism. And it's really, it's the opposite of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the most sort of evidence-backed and most researched um, therapy that we have that very much trains people into resilience and trains people to examine what they're thinking, and look and see, are they having cognitive distortions? Are they engaging in mind reading? Are they catastrophizing? This teaches one to catastrophize. It teaches a person to make assumptions. Oh, this person did this. Well, that was a microaggression, and that's because I'm female, or because I'm trans, or because I'm not white. So it's all—it's sort of training people um, into a sort of paranoid, resentful state. I think.
0: But also just makes them in service of the revolution the client isn't a client for you to heal the client is an agent for your revolution
3: that's right exactly oh yeah yeah. how objectifying yeah Yeah. that's that's a good way of
4: putting that yeah
2: and i was very surprised that that we were told that our number one job was to be an activist that's Mm -hmm. your number one job i was told when i was in graduate school for Mm -hmm. to become a counselor a counselor is first and Mm -hmm. foremost an activist for social justice Mm -hmm. before anything else I know
4: teachers that have been told that as well, and they're teaching programs, you know, teachers that are going to be teaching elementary school students. That's,
2: oh. We just bought a Guinness Book of World Records for the, for my boys. It's 2022 World Records. That seemed like a fun thing. The mm-hmm. first, first chapter is devoted to activism, how to be an activist. And it's just right there, right away. It's about being an activist. Here's the things that are so bad in the world. Here's the things that are terrible. And you can go out and... And push back, and it's just a bunch of Greta Thunberg and stuff. You know, it's just be an activist. You're supposed to want to do this. It's but I mean, well, but, that, but it's everywhere, Leslie, it's everywhere. isn't it? Mm-hmm.
3: It's it's everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. These the the, the 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 tendrils have got so deeply in. Mm-hmm. I there there isn't a space left. So I had um uh, I, I take an archaeological um, magazine every month because in. A previous life I was an archaeologist and I had I opened it up and looked at the book reviews and the first book review was a uh, book on uh, archaeology for young people and it was written by the head of the Council of British Archaeology so very sort of you know hold a very elite position and the title of the book was I can remember it rightly now it was something like um uh lessons from uh, lessons from our ancestors and the subtitle was equality inclusion <laughs> and sustainability in the past you go think wow <laughs> and it, but it's historical revisionism like yeah. the 1619 project so it's like these kids. So it's everywhere. So these kids are now reading about this. Um, it's like everything was fine until modernity and the Europeans. Yeah? It's
2: wokewashing.
3: washing. It's woke washing. That's that's the word I was searching for. So you know, go back to this. You know, rather lovely past, historic past, when people you know were they were sustainable. They had a sustainable view, you know, um, and they included everybody and say, you know, these nice little communities, it was, it was, and, and, and we've gone, we know, we went wrong, that horrible kind of white European society came along, and now we're going to get it all back. I mean, it's just...
1: Oh, it's so dull. It's so dull, isn't it? It's like... (laughs) (laughs) It's, <laughs> we're in this position where it's sort of like, um, I mean, in a way, it's a good thing that it's so dull because everybody who's got an ounce of curiosity is going to start looking elsewhere. Because Absolutely. even on our course, like myth, religion, culture, spirituality, all those things, kind of as Deborah was saying earlier, have just become a, like a, a way of framing y- you or a person into a political chess piece that's all it is it's just like a dot on a on a power curve or something yeah. it's, there's nothing nothing more interesting about it it's just so dull it's such a waste of people's time I know it's not it's not dullness probably isn't as a bigger issue as you know indoctrination of kids but for me for David Simpson on my training course it's rather dull <laughs> <laughs> um, it's
3: it's 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 uh, un- unbearably uh, reductive Absolutely unbearably reductive. It's like reducing, I'm, I'm repeating myself a bit, the, 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 the extraordinary complexity of life, um, right down to this uh, cookie cutter cut, 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 you know, all the same. And, you know, if, if, if I mean, sometimes in darker moments, I kind of think, hmm, we're being set up, aren't we? For a, um, a totalitarian
1: society, We're being groomed for it. Oh, so I'll go and...
5: there with you.
3: Well,
1: oh, <laughs> so you should have done our tinfoil hat episode. You moment. should have on the tinfoil hat episode a week ago. Okay. ago.
2: Deborah, you still have you still have yours there. Deborah, do you want to tell us some? Uh, <laughs> yeah, want to wear so that so while you good. have the discussion? <laughs> I, uh,
0: I don't want to. I don't want to say that that's where we're going necessarily. But well, it, it, there is the fact that people could fold so easily. Like the fact that people could take on something seemingly not questioning, right? Yeah. Across so many. I mean, it does. I know there's the social pressures and the fear of cancellation and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it is. I mean, with COVID too, it is bewildering the degree mm-hmm. to which there's compliance. Like so much compliance that does that mm-hmm. does make suggest it's a an open field for some totalitarian thing. I don't know whether it's planned or not, but it's yeah. like, whoa, look at the population, look what they'll do. Yeah,
4: it it's um, it's kind of frightening and it makes me lose my faith in humanity. But then I talk to people like you and, and uh, the Solid Brown members and my faith in humanity goes back up. So thank God for that. But it does strike me as amazing that not only is this a very narrow lens which to see the world i think it's a dramatically flawed lens lens and it has been accepted by so many people even you know those little apps that you can get on uh here it's called next door and it's you know people saying i've lost my cat has anybody seen my cat it amazes me that in those conversations people are dropping in little critical social justice bombs or if somebody says something that they think, uh, like if somebody's
3: too critical
4: of crime now, somebody will drop in a critical social justice bomb. And I just got all my comments on Sunday deleted um, because I was sarcastically saying, oh, why yes, we should all go looting. Looting is fine because somebody was basically saying, we're only, um, crime is only happening because of inflation and Republicans are using this as a talking point. you know, foolish people such as yourself, I mean, to somebody else, it's just nuts. It's like, you can't escape it.
2: Yeah, it's starting to infiltrate and pepper into, you know, just normal discourse.
4: Yeah, it's just everyday conversations that you would have with your neighbors. It becomes politicized. If somebody's too upset about their car being broken into, it's sort of being insinuated, but that perhaps they're lacking in empathy and maybe they're a bit racist.
3: Mm Now, I have do a question. You, oh, go ahead. So, so uh, Jennifer, what do you do with that then? Do you um, uh, respond?
4: <laughs> well, so I try not to get into fights with people on Twitter <laughs> or on next door. But on Sunday, I woke up feeling rather devilish. And so I <laughs> suggested that we all meet at a local restaurant, Jackson's and have Chardonnay and then go looting together and that we target the people whose home whose homes have the signs "hate has no home here because they <laughs> won't mind so and that was
2: promptly deleted by the moderators yeah. <laughs> chardonnay and looting yeah. it's, it's all very civilized. it's the new brunch
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I had a question Val I may sort of know an answer but I want to have you kind of tell it for listeners um, or audience. What do you suggest now for a person who's a potential client trying to navigate how to get through here? I know CTA has some resources, but what would you suggest for someone who's like, I want therapy. I kind of heard this stuff is going on. What do I, what do I do?
3: Well, you, I mean, first you, you need to uh, interview um, several therapists and I mean, go, go, go by recommendations as well, but you, but there's some kind of, there's, I've been trying to think about you know what's a key question. And I think a key question that could be asked, and I'd be interested to know what um, others here think about this, a key question that might be able to um, identify a, a woke therapist really quickly is you could ask, how, um, uh, how would you diagnose, if I can get the right wording for this, um, what would you take into consideration when you are thinking about diagnosing my problems, mm. now the reason I think it's something like that, um, and I don't know what you think about this, David, uh, because it, 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 what you want to find out is whether they're going to whether whether a, a critical social justice-driven therapy approach will always diagnose through uh, societal factors or external factors. So if your if your if the therapist you're interviewing comes back to you, and and says you know well you know I kind of we really need to think about what kind of uh, you know your identity yeah, and we need to think about you know to what extent what you're experiencing is the result of oppressive societal factors. They'll be a bit more subtle than this. Then that's an indication. That somebody is travelling down that route, and if somebody says, "Well, goodness me," I mean, I, I, I take into a wide range. You know, we think about your upbringing, your formative experiences. We think about, you know, significant events that have happened to you. We might take into account also um, what's happening in, you know, your your cultural background, your societal background. Yeah. So I, I mean, what do you think about that?
1: I mean, I think that's a good question. I, I was thinking like you, you could go straight to kind of asking what about um, what of my identity profile would be, need to be considered or your identity profile or the differences between identity profiles would need to be considered. But then I almost don't, don't know if that would be slightly encouraging a social justice approach, maybe. I don't know, because you are then putting importance on an identity when actually, as you've just said, Val, Identity kind of can be pulled apart by thinking about upbringing and geography and all these bigger mm-hmm. things that maybe are informing identity, but in a way come before.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's that's a that's a good start, definitely.
3: So you yeah. really want to you want to get a, a sense of whether this is a broad based therapy, yeah. traditional therapy approach, which considers all factors, or whether they're coming out of that very very narrow um, worldview. Uh, but they'll they'll also be alert to that, yeah. And you have to be careful with this because you might be considered as somebody who who will be a candidate for moral re-education. So <laughs> you, they you, they might position themselves in a way where it's not so apparent. So this isn't this isn't based on any kind of anecdotal experience or or uh, many reports. I mean, one of the things that's missing for us is that we don't have that many insider accounts
2: of what it's like for um, clients. My sense is that if you get somebody who's really into the ideology to talk long enough, you'll start to pick it up because you'll hear the the phrases that they'll use. There'll be repetitive phrasing and and you'll start to know pretty quickly Yeah, because they'll signal it to you. And I think that I like that question, but I think it's a really subtle one. And I think that i don't know how many clients will be thinking to ask that kind of thing and i i am i i I hear what you're saying if you come right out and state your own position that you might be targeted as a candidate for re-education but i i tend to think that most of the people who hold this these ways of thinking will just reject you outright if you're too strong in that camp like i was told in my program we're training counselors who aren't going to be able to work with the Trump supporter. We are not going to be able to work with you. We can't work with you. You're turned away. You will not be, you're, we're not interested in you, you know? So it's, it's this sort of immediate rejection of you as something that's not worth our time. And I think that if that, that there are probably so many therapists who are worried about being sniffed out as non-woke right now, that you might have a tendency to hear therapists who aren't sure of your position make semi pandering gestures towards yeah, yeah. the woke yeah, yeah. because they don't want to they don't know why you're asking them they they might yeah. think you're going to report them for wrongthink or or cancel mm, yeah. them somehow if they're not woke mm. and i think so many therapists are hiding behind you know not sure how to how to talk about this because they know it's what's expected of them especially young newly trained therapists so mm. um, My suggestion, personally, would probably be to come right out of it, out with it, and state your own case plainly, and just say, Mm -hmm. "I have these problems in my life. I want to talk to somebody about these issues that I'm dealing with. I am really concerned with ideology and therapy. And I, you know, I notice your bio. You don't have pronouns or anything. I'm hoping that maybe we'll be able to just speak plainly because I'm concerned about CRT and queer theory and therapy. And and I'd like to just know your your where are you with this and you'll probably get a flummoxed and frustrated and defensive person pretty quickly if they are on board with that
5: mm-hmm.
2: or maybe maybe they will be subtle with that and come back with mm-hmm. you know reasons why you should consider this but i think you'll hear where they're at i that that would be my suggestion would just be right up front with it but i like I that let I, I um
3: uh I, that's very sort of straightforward and the other thing about look on their websites mm-hmm. uh-huh. Uh, because you can, you can see. I mean, some people um, they get they, they may well put a bit of it on the on the on the on the website, a bit of the ideological stuff. But that's because everybody, everybody's trying to pass, aren't they? Just as Leslie is saying. But if they put an awful lot of it, <laughs> you, you 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 can pick up that they are a um um they're an advocate, and particularly if they label themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, oh, I'm know, an queer able-bodied non- queer, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. non-binary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, What about, what
0: about a question?
5: Like, what's going on, oh, Deborah?
0: I was going to say the the whole trauma-informed thing has been a tricky territory because yeah. you know I think that initially maybe meant someone had some trauma training, but now it that does seem to have a political valence. What's What's yeah. your take on that, Val?
3: Oh, it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, this is a very, this is a very, this is a really, really tricky one, because it's it's just become a trope now. So it's like a, it's like, my view on it is that it's, um, it's a, an indication of an, of an ideological commitment now. It's got nothing to do with trauma itself, real, you know, uh, trauma informed work. It's a statement of a position it's meaningless in terms of um therapy
1: because everything it can be trauma because that's right trauma is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> or oh, in the eye of the victim <laughs> okay. yeah mm-hmm. yeah
3: you know, it's one of those words isn't it yeah microaggression mm-hmm. yeah i had well, i came across recently mm-hmm. about a couple a couple of weeks ago um there's um somebody who's making this this argument that um we need to get beyond microaggressions now microaggressions by themselves also we also need to get into i can't remember the word they use it was something like um micro it wasn't micro (laughs) compliments micro micro validations something like that and that we now need as as, as members of sort of majority uh, uh, identity group or communities, we need to uh, not just um, um, refrain from microaggressions or recognise microaggressions. Uh, we we have to raise people up through um, micro deliberately. <laughs> Those are okay. Okay. <laughs> My, micro validations. It's and all external. Like I externalizing everything. These are going to be targeted by these unbearable, sort of, oh, you're looking very nice today. <laughs> 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 I'm, 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 I really like the way you're doing it. I get, I get really a
2: point. <laughs> <Be> furious, <laughs> isn't it? Well, are you going to get in trouble if you're not offering enough micro validations? Is that, <laughs> right. are we going to police the number <laughs> of micro validations? You know, you, you you
1: yes. yes, you will. Literally makes me think of that episode of Black Mirror. Have you seen that one where they're kind of, they're, they're walking around and they're literally just scanning each other's faces and then rating each other's interactions. God. And according to the rating of your interactions, you get more of a high score, and therefore you get more access to things in society. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah.
3: And this is something also is it's it 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 links back into my my sense that we the, the title of the book or the subtitle, which is the anti-therapeutic nature of Critical social justice. I, I think I'd like to go one, one step further now when I'm thinking about it. And it's not, it, I mean, it's anti therapeutic, absolutely, but it's fundamentally it's anti relational.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It's completely and utterly oppositional to human relating. Mm. And this is the main argument uh, in terms of uh, conceptually and theoretically, this is the main argument. Against critical social justice, it doesn't stand on the same ground as traditional therapy. All the different modalities in therapy all stand on that same ground, and the ground is the therapeutic relationship. We know this as the ground. it's been proved. Um, uh, it's it's unequivocally unequivocally by research that the quality of the therapeutic relationship is one is the main, um factor in successful outcomes in therapy that's across all of the modalities mm-hmm. and this is anti-relational it's anti that ground and this is why it's kind of really i'm going off on one now you can, you can haul me back in a bit but this is something that's very kind of close to my heart and my mind really is that this is where this is where I find it absolutely extraordinary that there are um, there is no um, there there is no, so little published um that investigates the claim, the conceptual and theoretical um case um on behalf of uh, integrating critical social justice into the therapy field. And I think one of the reasons is, that they can't make that claim the it doesn't have the same epistemology it doesn't have the same ontology as the worldview that informs traditional um, therapies and furthermore it attacks the relational ground
2: anyway my rant is i think that's really well well described i agree with you completely and i wonder in the midst of all of this do you have any sense of optimism about where things are heading? And if so, what gives you optimism?
3: Um, well, I'm not sure about, I'm, I mean, I go up and down. Mm-hmm. I guess all of you do, don't, don't you? you know, sometimes you yeah. think, oh yeah, we're breaking through. And then, oh no, we're, we're on this, um, we're on these tram lines and we're going into this deeply captured, very, very oppressive, tyrannical, um, societal space i've also it's also a bit complicated as well Leslie, because i've got a very long i've got a very long view because um i, I was an archaeologist and i specialized in prehistory so i'm i'm particularly interested in seeing how um society and then later on civilizations play out over very very long periods of time so i kind of I feel we're in one of those moments, and it, 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 could, it could go either way, but in the end, we'll come through, because that's what happens, but that's a very, very long view. And if I can, I mean, I'll give an illustration, if this is okay. So, uh, Jennifer knows this, I'm, I'm a, um, uh, I volunteer in Canterbury Cathedral as a guide. And in Canterbury Cathedral, it's you know, the main building is a thousand years old. And in the cathedral, the cathedral has, you know, uh, been burnt to the ground, has been attacked in various historical periods, and just the thing just gets rebuilt and survives. And I'm particularly interested in the um, uh, 1600s because that's when in um, in Eng- England became a republic under Oliver Cromwell. I'm not going to read history lesson, don't worry. But And they got rid of the king. We had a short period of um, when the Puritans and they took power and they were extreme. And you can see in the cathedral, they came into the cathedral and they started to uh, break up anything that offended them. So they attacked the incredible medieval windows with hammers. They decapitated the statues and various other stuff. But now they're just a memory. Their time went. The townspeople rose up, forced them out, yeah. And history cycles on. So in the long term, this is what will happen. But what concerns me most is the collateral damage in the short term. I'm not sure if that rather Ramly response made any kind of sense but that's what my thinking is yeah. I mean it's interesting it's... What, what do you guys think I mean what do you what are you where are you in regard to your predictions
4: I think that what you just said makes perfect sense and I, I you know I, I I go back and forth about is this sort of a not permanent but a very long-standing change what's going on this new ideology yeah. Or is this more like a brief period of insanity, sort of uh, something analogous to McCarthyism? And I don't know the answer. Um, when I'm more optimistic, I think, "Oh, we're going to sort of beat back this nonsense, and people are going to come to their senses, and this is just sort of a crazy thought trend." And maybe this is sort of like when people like critical ther- critical um, social justice, and therapy is maybe analogous to. Um, when we were doing lobotomies and thought that was the latest, greatest thing. Um, So I do have some of those thoughts, but I do worry about the collateral damage like you were saying, because it's not as if once people um, emerge from this (laughs) diluted state, the person whose career has been damaged or the clients whose psyches have been damaged get everything restored to them instantaneously. So I'm, I'm interested in kind of shoring us up during this sort of crazy mm-hmm. attempt at a cultural revolution
2: yeah not to mention the kids whose bodies have been wrecked
4: that's right they mm-hmm. don't get re- yeah. they don't get restored mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i think the revolution is sort of partially complete and my question is just how much further will it go hmm
0: mm-hmm. Timing kind of matters too. Like what I don't, what I get worried about is more and more younger people who eventually then move into being the people that are running the society. Yeah. If they have this way of thinking and then yeah. they're running it. Like if it, can, if it can get stopped or halted or redirected before they age up, Um. you know, you see like even the law schools, you know, like saying like we are the law and I'm like, uh-oh, I don't want those people being judges yeah. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, and also if, if somehow this can be corrected, even from you were talking about these people teaching this material and teaching two different things even at once I keep wondering if the strain of the cognitive dissonance will be a one factor that people can't even handle holding these things but does that happen faster than any more totalitarian measures that might you know descend on everything right we kind of need to well we still need to have enough freedom to to kind of move and shift um, So I don't know what the timing of those different forces will be. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I'm looking at the time. I know Jennifer's got her group. So do we need to wrap, but maybe we can have uh, David weigh in next time with his predictions about (laughs) optimism or pessimism and why.
1: I wanna wrap next time.
2: Val, I'm so grateful that you could join us today. It's really lovely to have you here for the chat. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody. For, thank you so
5: much Val. Very,
2: very interesting conversation yeah.
3: and just space to think through some ideas, yeah.
2: I have to echo what Jen said earlier too because CTA has been so meaningful to me. It's been so such a lifeline to me at a time when I was really confused. So thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, thank you everybody who joined us in the chat and um, and we will see you next week at Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Bye-bye everybody. All right. I've stopped the live
4: stream and